It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW Sitka. Today is Monday, February 22nd, 2021. I'm Erin Fulton with Raven News. Federal aviation safety investigators have closed the book on the Guardian flight fatal crash in 2019 that killed three crew members. The twin-engine medevac plane was en route to the southeast village of Cake to pick up a patient the evening of January 29th. But during its approach over Frederick Sound, the turboprop inexplicably veered to the right and plummeted more than 2,500 feet in just 14 seconds. A final report recently released by the National Transportation Safety Board says there isn't enough evidence to explain how or why. Most of the wreckage of the King Air 200 was recovered in about 500 feet of water. The bodies of the Juno-based crew members were never found. That's after extensive effort by the U.S. Coast Guard and private contractors. This one was a little bit frustrating for us. Uh, It's not for the lack of trying, but unfortunately, it didn't give us any definitive answers of exactly what happened. Clint Johnson is the NTSB's lead investigator in Alaska. He says there was initial hope when the cockpit voice recorder was found. We were definitely hoping that we were going to be able to glean some information as far as what happened in those uh, last final moments with that cockpit voice recorder. Unfortunately, it did not help us at all. The recorder hadn't worked since 2015. The three killed were 63-year-old pilot Patrick Coyle, 43-year-old paramedic Margaret Langston, and 30-year-old nurse Stacy Ray Morse. Morse was more than six months pregnant at the time. Her fiancé filed a wrongful death suit against the Utah-based medevac company and plane manufacturer a few days before the two-year anniversary. But his attorney says that was to preserve his client's rights before the two-year statute of limitations expires. He said his client hasn't decided whether to go forward with the suit, which has been moved to federal court. A Guardian flight representative says they've received the lawsuit but had no comment. Yakutat reported three new cases of the coronavirus Thursday. All three cases are related to travel, according to a press release from the Yakutat Incident Command. One of the patients took a test on Tuesday, and the other two took tests on Thursday. All three had symptoms at the time of testing. The Yakutat Community Health Center is currently conducting contact tracing. YCHC has administered 98% of their first allotment of 100 Moderna vaccines and are continuing to vaccinate individuals in a tiered system as vaccines become available. The health center requests that anyone who's had contact with someone who tested positive for COVID-19 or anyone showing symptoms call the YCHC COVID hotline at 784-3010. When the Sitka Unified Command met on Wednesday, there was still uncertainty around the recent expiration of the state's COVID-19 disaster declaration. City Administrator John Leach was concerned about how the change could affect vaccine allocations and FEMA reimbursements to the city. From what I'm seeing, the vaccine is still being distributed. It's still showing up here. Um, But I don't know what that means on a broader scale. Is the federal government distributing to the state of Alaska in the same rate if we're not under an emergency declaration? But for the time being, vaccines are still coming in and we're still putting them in arms. The legislature may still extend the emergency declaration, which could solve some of Leach's concerns. But even with some uncertainty, Leach said he was feeling positive for a few reasons. For a week, Sitka has been in the low alert level, with only two new COVID cases reported. And Sitka's vaccination rate is climbing. Our vaccination rate right now, I don't have the exact numbers, we're up probably close to 50%, if not over 50%. That makes me feel great. That's 50% of Sitkins who are eligible for the vaccine, not all Sitkins. 
Sitka School District Superintendent John Holst said the district's immunization rate for staff is more than 85 percent, and spokesperson Megan Bosak reported that to date, Search had administered over 3,000 first doses and just under 1,700 second doses at their clinics. Public health nurse Denise Ewing said that the city will be receiving some extra doses as they roll out vaccinations for resident and non-resident seafood industry workers beginning in March. Sitka Representative Jonathan Christ Tompkins will once again chair the House State Affairs Committee in the bipartisan coalition that finally took shape on Thursday with protecting the permanent fund as its unifying theme. Christ Tompkins is a Democrat. The bipartisan coalition formed when neither party could create a caucus with a 21-member majority. The vote to approve committee membership allows the House to begin doing legislative business 31 days into the session. But two of those who voted for the committee say they won't caucus with either side. Anchorage Republican Representative Sarah Rasmussen is one of them. She says it will be unusual to not have a caucus with a majority of members. I think it's kind of unprecedented, but it gives us an opportunity um, to have my voice. My district has a voice at the table, and I'm hoping that, you know, with compromise, we'll be able to get some good policy move forward. Anchorage Democrat Garen Tarr also said she won't join a caucus. She was in the same caucus as other Democrats in her first eight years in the House. She wrote in a letter to House Speaker Louise Stutes that members became leaders by threatening to join the Republican caucus and that joining Stutes' group would violate her commitment to, quote, honorable public service. Tarr was co-chair of the House Resources Committee the last four years, but she was not named to that position again. Utkiapthik Independent Representative Josiah Alex Ruach Putkatuk will be the chair. It's the first time the committee will not have co-chairs in 26 years. Stutes, a Kodiak Republican, says she's confident she will have the 21 votes needed for procedural matters necessary to the House functioning. She declined to say who the 21st vote would be. I would rather talk people the numbers and we are open. We are working um, to create a good bridge between House members. And so I'm hoping that as time goes by, we will all come together. Stutes says most members in her caucus are aligned on not drawing more than is planned from the permanent fund's earnings reserve. While the majority over the last two years was committed to not do that, Stutes was less definitive. She says the House Finance Committee will have a major say in it. I think that that would probably like to be the hope of most people, whether it's within the realm of possibility. I guess we'll have to wait and see what finance comes up with. Anchorage Democratic Representative Chris Tuck will be the majority leader, while Wasilla Republican Representative Kathy Tilton will be the minority leader. House committees are expected to start their work in the coming days. There's another top 10 list in Alaska, and happily, Sitka is not on it. For the 30th year in a row, the Alaska Association for Historic Preservation is compiling a list of the state's 10 most endangered properties. The association is soliciting property nominations from the public until April 10th. Nominations go through a selection committee, which ranks properties according to how endangered they are. What makes a property endangered? President Trish Neal says threats could be natural or man-made. The Ascension Chapel of Our Lord and Carlick was rated as the number one because it's sitting on the edge of a cliff and we're holding our breath and hoping that we can get it moved away from the, from the edge of the cliff before it falls in. We had two cultural sites uh, involved with the, the Pebble Mine um, issue and that was, that was a concern too because what they were planning and doing would impact those two cultural sites. 
The Holy Assumption of the Virgin Mary Orthodox Church in Old Town Kenai has been on the list twice, in 1991 and 2009. Neal says the association has an agreement with the church and comes out to inspect the building every five years. It was just inspected last year as the church underwent renovations. Prior properties include the historic Soldotna Post Office and the Holy Transfiguration of Our Lord Russian Orthodox Church in Nanilchik. Neil says the distinction of the list can be an important one when groups are applying for restoration grants. But not all properties that make it onto the list can be saved. Last year's list featured the Jesse Lee Home, the historic Seward property that is currently being demolished after a multi-year custody battle. That was a big, um, a big lesson that we need to be out there knocking on more doors and you know, and letting people know that, you know, there, there is help. We don't want to see that happen again. The last property in Sitka to be listed as endangered was St. Michael's Orthodox Cathedral in 2016. The Orthodox Diocese in Alaska has since undertaken major fundraising efforts for repair work on the roof, copper dome, and basement, averting further damage to the building. To submit a property to the list, visit the association's website at alaskapreservation.org. The 2021 list comes out in May, which is National Historic Preservation Month. Taking a look at the community calendar. Sitka Public Library invites all to celebrate Valentine's Day by going on a blind date with a book through the end of February. Gift wrap books will be on display at the library for patrons to read the clues, choose a book, and check it out. The surprise includes a Mad Lib Valentine and stickers. Participants are invited to post a picture with their blind date on the library Facebook or Instagram pages. For more information, call Margo at 747-4020 or email margo.oconnell at cityofsitka.org. The Alaska Longline Fishermen's Association's free virtual midwinter fishermen's expo is today, Monday, February 22nd. Commercial and subsistence fishermen of all gear types can attend interactive classes on bathymetry mapping updates, loan and financing opportunities, how to deal with sleep deprivation while fishing, fisheries policy and management updates, skipper training for Alpha's crew member training program, and more. Lunch is provided for Sitka participants. Visit alphafish.org for more information and to register. Call 907-738-1286 with any questions. The 4-H Ukulele Club meets virtually on Mondays through April. Those in kindergarten through 5th grade meet from 3.30 to 4.30 p.m. and those in 6th through 12th grade from 5 to 6 p.m. As the weather improves, a few socially distant meet-up jam circles with COVID-19 and community precautions are planned. To register, ask about ukuleles or other information, email emily at sitkawild.org. I'm Erin Fulton, and this has been Raven News. This is Morning Edition 